Matt, here we are again uh, with Kaiju Transmissions. I hope that is everybody's favorite podcast ever. <laughs> um, oh. <coughs> well, uh, you know, uh, Matt, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Matt. There you go. Uh, this is a very special episode, Matt, because uh, we have... I couldn't imagine that when we started this podcast a year ago, we would have somebody this prolific, this influential, and this legendary on here with us. I it it it's, it's it blows my mind, really. Um, but uh, so we're introducing uh, this episode, which is an interview with the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Sonny Chiba. One of the most incredible uh, stuntmen, martial arts actors of all time. Um, and I mean, geez, I mean, you pull up Sonny Chiba's filmography and he's in I, everything. Um, <laughs> it's true. I mean, like, he's really in everything. Uh, I mean, he got his start with Toei. And so, I mean, uh, or old tokusatsu movies like The Golden Bat and uh, Invasion of the Neptune Men. Um, and then, you know, uh, a lot of just awesome uh, martial arts movies like uh, the Street Fighter films. Um, Hattori Hanzo was a famous character he played uh, on, um, on, on TV. And later on, um, uh, would reprise that role in uh, Kill Bill for Quentin Tarantino. And, yeah, the the guy is just, uh, I mean, he's amazing. Uh, he's been in everything from, you know, Message from Space to Fast and the Furious 3, Tokyo Drift. Uh, I mean, geez, he's, he's just done so much, it, it can't really be described. Um, but, uh, just, I mean, I've, I've always loved Sonny Chiba. Um, like I said, most people know him as Hattori Hanzo, um, and in the U.S., it, it, you know, in, in, in Kill Bill. Um, but he's done so much more than that. And just, uh, geez, what, what a guy to, to, <laughs> to be able to, uh, to interview for this podcast. Uh, it's amazing. So, um, now, uh, Matt, I'm going to have you tell this story again in case, you know, one, one, someone listens to one before the other or whatever. So th- this this uh, was recorded at Fandom Fest in Kentucky where you uh, bravely ventured out uh, to interview both Mr. Sonny Chiba and Kenji Oba. Um, and uh, the, the experience was rather strange. So um, I know we just recorded the Oba intro, but I, again, tell, tell us the story again, because A, it's amazing, and people, like I said, might not be familiar with it yet, but B, it, it, it's worth telling a second time, I think, anyway. Oh, man. Um, so here we go. We, we, we make our trek down to good old uh, Kentucky, and we go to this thing called Fandom Fest. And Fandom Fest last year was held at an expo center. Um, and I actually went to that because they had all the Godzilla suit actors as well as Ultraman. Uh, ben Faria were there. It was a wonderful experience. And honestly, for me, um, one of my life – like that, that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience. Um, this year, they could not come to an agreement between Fandom Fest or the expo center and where they had it last year in Fandom Fest – um, could not come to some sort of agreement. I don't know if it was a financial thing or you know what have you. 
So at the last minute, the convention was moved to an abandoned Macy's uh, inside a mall, which was incredibly bizarre. So you had to park um, at one of the main mall entrances, walk in through the food court, um, and basically walk into the main entrance where – once you're in the mall, you're walking into like where the former Macy's was, and that's where they would check you in and you t- take care of everything. Um, it's really bizarre when you walk into a mall and you see a bunch of cosplayers and then like you see like the 60 and 70 year olds that are there for their shopping and you can tell they just don't know what to think of these kids and their cosplay outfits. Like that was hilarious. Um, so we're, we're checking in and as we're walking in, like the place where you see the perfume and like merchandise with all the glass casing, like that's where you have some of your vendors set up. But the problem is like you still have Macy signs in some of the places like hanging from the rafters. Um, and some of the like doors had like caution tape on them cause you couldn't go in them. And it was just, it was a very last minute, um, change and it was a very bizarre experience. And, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was, I mean, I know for a fact that many of the guests pulled out, uh, that were scheduled. If you go to, if you would have gone to the Phantom Fest website a day or so before the convention and you went down to the very bottom, it had a list of like 10 people deep that had canceled their appearance because of this, this change. Um, and I know that a lot of the vendors just talking with them and walking around overhearing conversations were complaining about both the environment, but also like just kind of the lack of, of flow with people and people not spending money. It was just a really, I think, well, not a very well thought, uh, production put on by Phantom Fest. And I hope that they go back to the convention and the, or the, the expo center next year. As a result of that, um, we ended up interviewing, Sunny Chiba and Kenji Oba in basically the abandoned dressing room behind where their table was. <laughs> and it was like, you know, it couldn't really be helped. And the reason I say that is because we initially were just going to interview them right behind this curtain. There was plenty of room. And then across the way, there's this big band. It's like this like goth band playing Southern rock and bluegrass. It was an incredible, like out of nowhere, <laughs> all of a sudden I hear like, but ding, 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 ding. And this guy's like jamming out an electric guitar and blasting music. And I'm thinking like, man, this is, this is, this is G-Fest audio issues all over again. How are we going to get past that? Well, we basically barricaded ourselves in this abandoned um, you know, changing room, and we did our interviews back there. So it was the only way that we could really get away from the noise. And, and again, it's not perfect because the, the, the tops of the fitting rooms are cut open. So like you still get some of that noise, but it, it was the best thing that we could do to kind of get away from it. I checked the entirety of that place and like, there was nowhere else to go that wasn't already being taken by another group. So we were stuck with what we had. And, um, I'm really thankful to, to Jim Cernel for lo- letting us interview Sonny Chiba, by the way, because like without him, none of this happens. And I never thought I'd meet Sonny Chiba, let alone interview him. And also, I got to be, you know, frank. I mean, the entire Kaiju Transmissions family kind of came together for this. Like me, you, Trev, Eric, and, and Chris, like we kind of all pitched in and put these questions together. Um, and, and I'm really thankful to you guys because I'm doing this kind of on the fly and you guys are sending me a bunch of questions and it was just a really interesting day, but Kenji or Kenji, Kenji Oba and Sonny Chiba both gave great interviews. They talk about their relationship with one another. Um, Sonny Chiba is hilarious. He's like one of the funniest guys you could ever meet. He's incredibly animated, very passionate. Um, he gives a great story about Quentin Tarantino, which I'm not going to spoil for now, but about how they met. And how he, he came to get the part of Hattori Hanzo. Um, he talks about the Japan Action Club. With If you don't know what that is, listen to the interview. That's, it has a very prolific effect all the way down to Godzilla. It actually affected Tom Kitagawa specifically. So really excited for people to hear this interview. Um, 
enjoy it. Know that it was a crazy day for for uh, the Kaiju Transmissions team and just kind of the way everything set were set up. But it was a fantastic time, and honestly, it was an honor to to meet and interview both Sunny Chiba and Kenji Oba. When you first saw Kill Bill and Hattori Hanzo was on the screen, did you think, you know what, one day I'm going to interview Sonny Chiba in an abandoned Macy's dressing room? (laughs) Uh, I did not, um, but it happened. And and you know what was really (laughs) cool about the whole thing is like, these guys, I, I don't think they have that sense of you know, entitlement that some of these other actors might like, they didn't care. Like they give no, they, they didn't give any craps about where the interview was taking place. They were just happy to be there. And Sonny Chiba, um, it was actually at the end of the interview, we were talking afterwards. He actually asked me to pick the microphone back up and keep recording because we were talking about, um, one of it, one of the movies he made. And he wanted to actually talk about a movie that he wanted to see made, which I thought was really cool. So like he was extremely passionate about giving some of those answers, and I really appreciate that. I mean, you, you've met, and we've, we've talked about this multiple times, like, you've been to conventions, and you've gone through lines, and guys are, like, signing autographs, and, like, you feel like a number to them. It did not feel that way with either one of, of these two, because they, they really felt, I mean, they were happy to take pictures, they always had a smile on their face. Um, Sonny Chiba was exercising, <laughs> like, in the back room. Like, he had this, you know, those little rubber band things that you used to kind of do, like, you know, curls and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they still exercising. Um, it was just a really cool experience to meet both of them, and they, they both seemed very humble and gave really funny stories, and I'm just excited to be a part of it, honestly. Sweet. Did they? Did you have anything signed by them? Yeah. Um, so I, I basically I had a um, a picture for each of them that I that they had on the table that I had signs and I have those those upstairs. Um, Sonny Chiba kept a Kill Bill picture like a poster that he was handing out and he he actually when I was taking my picture with both of them he grabbed that and put it in front of him <laughs> like <laughs> Hey, I'm Hattori Hanzo. Um, but that's actually not mine. I have uh, basically a picture of Sonny Chiba and a picture um, of Space Sheriff Gavon that I had. Uh, each one of the respective actors sign, and I have those upstairs. All right, cool. All right, well, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, here it is. Uh, enjoy our interview with Sonny Chiba. All right, uh, we are live, and this is Matt with uh, Kaiju Transmissions Podcast, and we are actually at Fandom Fest in Louisville, Kentucky today. And uh, I am honored to be interviewing Sonny Chiba um, and my interpreter, is Hiro Kitagawa. Say hello for everybody, Hiro. Hey, everyone. This is Hiro Kitagawa. And uh, so we're just going to jump right into the questions for Chiba-san. Um, I guess I'd like to start out and just ask, uh, how old were you when you first started learning martial arts? Uh, 20, 21. 21. 21. You say what uh, what prompted you to start the Japan Action Club? How did that come about? え、日本のアクション全体的に俳優さんがアメリカと違ってこう本当にこう動ける人がいなくてでもあの何て言うでしょうか、俳優さんっていうのは体を使って気度愛楽というものを表現しなきゃならないんだけども意外と日本の俳優さんは体を使わないで 
、えー、やろうとしてるんで非常にいろんなことができなかっただから体をしっかりと作る俳優さんというのは体を作るんだということで始めたのがジャパンアクションクラブですね。So in Japan at the time, especially,、um, there weren't many actors who could move, who could act in the、uh, very actionable manner, in the very、uh, movement oriented manner, like how it was in the US. So I wanted to create a club, an organization where we could develop actors who can do actions, who can do real actions. Awesome. Um, my understanding is the Japan Action Club is responsible for a lot of the tokusatsu actors that we see today in a lot of the、um, productions on television. Is that correct? Japan Action Club is a very important thing. Japan Action Club is a very important t その喜怒哀楽を表現するのは顔じゃないんです。役者は体で喜怒哀楽を表現するもん。だから体で表現するってことはこの五体が柔軟な素晴らしいどんなものでも動けるような肉体を作り上げなきゃいけない役者のも原点です。役者の原点をみんな日本の俳優は欠けていたのでそれをもう一回やや,りやろうということで作り出したのがジャパンアクションクラブです。So, as far as influence wise,、um, maybe so, but my intention originally of making that club was, wasn't really thinking about tokusatsu specifically, but it was more so about developing actors, like I said, the more action specific actors. And I believe that the actors really use their full body to show their,、um, what they're supposed to portray. So, not just the face, not just the facial expression, but everything has to be, it has to be the leg movement, the arm movement, everything has to be dynamic through the body. And I wanted to do that. That's why I created the Action Club, Japan Action Club. Yeah.、Um, so, working in the Japanese studio system in the 1960s and 70s, what was the timeline like、uh, between receiving the script and actually finishing a production? Or filming the production, I guess, would be a better way to phrase that. The Hongakshin? So it depends on the,、uh, the actual product, of course, but generally for the,、uh, how big it is. But the,、uh, generally for the movies, it's about two or three months.、Uh, for the TV show, it's a little bit shorter, perhaps about one month. That's very quick. Um, so, during your time,、um, well, throughout your career, actually, you worked with、uh, Kenji Fukasaku.、Um, do you have any stories about working together? Yes.、Uh, Kenji Fukasaku's、uh, debut, it's called Kenji Kantok's Dai Kai Kantok. Kanakari was a Yushuna Kantok. In Japan, there was a Yushuna Kantok. That's why I'm here. I'm here. えっと、彼の第1回監督が僕が第1回主演なんです、はい、ああなるほどなるほど、はい、だから両方がデビューなんです向こうは第1回僕も第1回僕は第1回監督僕は第1回、はいえー、主演俳優主演ですねはい So yes、um, His debut movie was my debut starring role 
So we, we were in a way both uh, first time main guy doing trying to make it work. And so yes, that, that's the very, very, very strong starting relationship. Awesome. Um, what kind of director would you say that he was? It, I mean, was is there anyone you could maybe compare him to, or um, how would you describe his directing style? はい。ものすごく深く、え、もの調べたり、深くものを考えたりしてくる人で、とってもだからあの人の映画っていうのはほとんど出来がパーフェクトにいいものばっかりです。で、やっぱり頭のいい人ですから、本当にあの、よく
there's so much to talk about. What what should I talk about? Anything specific that you guys would like any, to know? Any funny stories? Any any things that happened on the the set of the film that maybe weren't supposed to happen? That kind of stuff. ビッグモロさんとか英語を話す人と日本語と so working with somebody like Vic Morrow, um, there has to be the mixture, the communication was a mixture of English and Japanese. So uh, that part was a little challenging, but it was more funny because we would say something in English, but he wouldn't understand. And he would try some little <laughs> Japanese phrase, but we wouldn't understand. It was just a back and forth and back and forth. And that was the catch ball of the conversation was. <laughs> Ready, camera, action. But, Kinji Fukasaka, Japanese style, yoi, start! <laughs> hey, big, big, no, no, chigao, chigao. Nihongo de yuchan da. So. So, yeah, there, there, was, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of stories, and one, one that I remember, is like a, uh, so the American style of directing is like, uh, get set ready, and then start. It's, it's more organized, I would say. But the uh, Fukasaku style would be like, Hi, ready, 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 hi, kimasu yo, hi, go. <laughs> and that's that, that kind of very, very, very Japanese language, even language is Japanese. So there was a lot of, uh, lot of confusion and a lot of, uh, a lot of funny stories based on that. Big said, What? And of course, Vic Mora would say, Huh? What? Sorry, <laughs> dog. Yeah, that, that, that happened very often, very often. <laughs> yeah, I love, uh, actually love Message from Space. I was wondering if uh, you had seen uh, Star Wars prior to actually making that movie, because it came out around the same time. I think it might have come out at the same time, but uh, I believe maybe there wasn't Star Wars, maybe it wasn't as popular. Maybe. when the message from space was being made. Ah, I see. Um, so what was it like working with uh, an international cast? I mean, I feel like that would have to be something that was uh, fairly difficult because you had, obviously, you had Vic Morrow, but you had other international actors on that film. Um, how was that different from working with an all-Japanese cast and like what were some of the challenges you might face besides the obvious language barriers? もちろん日本の人たちとやるときはもう普通にもう何のその考えることなく自然に入っていけるんですけどやっぱりまあアメリカの人たちっていうのは全てが言葉も違うけれどもやっぱりいろんな方法日本とアメリカの違いはありました
the one thing we we Japanese I would say were more um no I'm sorry it was less confused about the situation the American actors I would say are were more confused uh because things were different now that when I went actually into the US film industry I felt sort of opposite when I when I saw how American movies were made then it was I was mesmerized it was very different um extremely uh, I looked up there very much so there was uh, that type of difference that occurred can you let's talk about that for a second um what would you say the biggest difference between the American way of making movies versus the Japanese way what was so mesmerizing about it the way the films are cut is very different. So I want to talk about one of your uh, one of the roles that's very popular in the US or the one that that I think we probably are all, a lot of us are familiar with which is actually Street Fighter. Um, how did you get the role in that film and is there any specific part of that movie that you like the most or maybe you're are particularly fond of? I don't know. So uh I'd love to answer your question, but it was so long ago. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, well, we'll skip over Street Fighter. Uh, that is a great answer, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, do you remember how you became first aware of uh, Quentin Tarantino? And uh, obviously, I'm talking about the eventual role that you played in, in Kill Bill, where you were able to play Hattori Hanzo. Um, but how did you first find out about Quentin Tarantino? And then uh, how do you feel about your role as Hattori Hanzo after being able to re re revisit that role after previously playing it in other films? So I was in uh, I was living in Beverly Hill at the time and it was my birthday. Uh, I was with Fukasaku, Mr. Fukasaku and we were at, at our house, uh, my house uh, celebrating my birthday. Then we were, of course, going off, partying, having a good time, and then at about 12 a.m., uh, midnight, there was a knock on the door, um, and there was a man standing there with a bottle of wine. That was Mr. Tarantino. So, of course, we were like surprised. It was a complete surprise. We were like, whoa, 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 Quentin Tarantino, welcome, welcome. And we, uh, we just got started drinking. プレゼントじゃないんだと。え、特別のプレゼントがあるよと。言って言い出したのが実は俺がこれ次キリブルという映画を撮ると。その中でハットリハンゾーという役をやってくれという、それが僕に大きななんか誕生日のプレゼントだ
So Director Tarantino, he during during when we were halfway drunk, we started talking about, you know, by the way, the uh, the wine wasn't the only gift that I have. Um, we're gonna take a uh, a movie called Kill Bill, and in that movie, I would like you to be this character Hattori Hanzo. That is a real present. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great story. Um, let's move on to working with uh, Kenta um, Fukusaku. Obviously, you worked with uh, Kenji's son um, during Battle Royale 2. How was he different from his father in terms of directing? Mm, so I feel that um, he is he is uh, Mr. Fukasaku's son. Uh, so they have they share similar characteristics, and I can see that he is uh, Fukasaku-san's son. However, unfortunately, I I personally feel that he's not at the level of his father. Um, so I would say that he still has a uh, fairly big shoes to fill. For the audience out there, actually, um, Kinta took over the role of filming, or directing, I should say, uh, Battle Royale 2 because his father passed away during filming, and so that led to the transition. Um, so moving on to Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Um, I'm kind of curious how that set and that experience was maybe different from other, some of the other films you've worked on. That's one of the bigger U.S. productions you've been a part of, so I wanted to know if there are any things that stuck out to you in terms of uh, that particular production. Mm, so uh if I were to compare, I would compare with Kill Bill, that's about the same size of a film. Um, however, I didn't really feel uh, Fast and Furious was any different. Uh, to me, all American movies that I, I'm part of, I feel as important on all of them. I feel they're very, very important to my career and my outlook in life. And um, yeah, I just didn't feel that it was particularly more important, let's say, compared to Kill Bill. I felt that they're both very important to my style. And career. Um, so, two questions. Uh, one, is there a particular film that is your favorite that you've been a part of? Um, and then, two, is there one of your films that you wish maybe had more global recognition? あの、
もうとにかくやっぱり深瀬君金次というあの人の監督の力は世界で通じるものだと私は信じてましたからもっと元気で本当は世界で、えー、一緒にやりたかったですね。So, this is specifically about Fukasaku-san's、uh, directing the movies. But、um, because of, I believe that he's highly skilled, essentially all of his products are very good.、Um, now, kind of a side story there was a time where、uh, Quentin Tarantino,、uh, Kenji Fukasaku, and I were in the hotel room just kind of discussing to make a、uh, kind of like a joint venture product, joint venture film,、uh, which unfortunately didn't happen. But if that would have happened, that would have been great.、Um, or otherwise, generally, I believe that his、uh, films are all great. So,、um, nothing really specific, but I believe, I feel that I wanted、um, more of his films in general. I, I wish that it would have received more recognition. Are you able to talk about the film that was unmade and maybe disclose just kind of a general plot for it? これはですね、えー、と日本とアメリカの両方で映画を撮るということで日本の中を深作金次が撮ってアメリカ編をクエンテンが半分ずつ撮るということで結局日本版は日本の部分は金次が撮ってアメリカの部分があのクエンテンが撮るという面白いものだったんですよ。現実にならない今なる前に深作監督が亡くなってしまったわけですね。So, yes,、uh, the general idea was that、uh, Kenji Fukasaku would、um, be in charge of filming in the Japan side, and then the US side would be done by Quentin Tarantino.、Um, unfortunately, before that materialized,、uh, director Fukasaku had passed away, and then never became materialized, but that was the beginning, starting idea of this film. Uh, no, I mean, two legendary directors, that would have been, I'm sure, fantastic to see, and I'm very, that would have been awesome.、Um, so, uh, Ken um, Takakura and Hiroki、uh, Matsukata both passed away recently, and I'm wondering if you had any stories、uh, working with them at all that you would like to share with us. I've mountains of stories for. <laughs> Ken Takakura はアメリカとロバート・ミッチェルとも一緒に共演しているヤクザという映画があったりそれからあのあれは誰でしたっけダグラス誰でしたっけあのマ,イクマイクル・ダグラスと撮った映画日本アメリカの映画撮ってますけれども。やっぱり高倉健さんというのは世界に通じる俳優さんでしたので、ね、英語もしゃべれる方でしたからやっぱり健さんにもっともっとアメリカ以外に出てほしかったですね。So this is more so、uh, my personal wish for、uh, Ken さん。But he's, he was a very talented actor. He worked with、uh, international, in international films. He worked together with Michael Douglas, for example. So、uh, personally, This isn't really a specific story, but I wanted him to be a more, more prominent、uh, figure in that industry, sort of like a leading role.、Uh, what about Hiroki? My father was a famous actor in Japan. 
まあそういう素晴らしい俳優さんが僕より若くして先に死んでしまったことにものすごく残念で、えー、逆に、えー、もう一回二回一緒にやりたかったものがあるんです。So he is of the the proper、um, actors family. His father was a、uh, very prominent、um, actor and He was on his way to becoming that. So I would say that he was a sort of a thoroughbred of the,、uh, of the, the film industry. It wasn't, he wasn't like the, the sort of like a weed like us. Now,、um, so because of that, I, I really wish that、uh, he would have gone on, he would have lived longer to, to go on to become somebody who's,、uh, that he could have potentially become. So that's, that's I would regret that. I, I regret that.、Uh. Uh, this will be my last question for you. And、um, what advice, if any, do you have to any、uh, to stunt actors who want to get into the industry? I mean, you're, you're, you're a legend in the field. You started a company that oversees this. So, what, what advice would you give to future stunt actors who want to get into the industry, whether it's acting or tokusatsu or maybe both? Nippon stuntman, American stuntman, very different. 何がデフレットか分かりますかちょ,ちょっと聞いてください。Um, so, going back to that, in response to that question, the American stuntman and the、uh, Japanese stuntman, they're very, very different. Do you... 日本のスタントマンとアメリカのスタントマンのデフレントは、アメリカはスタントというのは命がかかってるんです。命がかかってることをやるんです、スタントマンは。だから、命をかかっているだけに高いお金をもらうんです。日本は命をかかっているくせに一番安いんです。こんなバカな話がないでしょう。だから日本のサントマンは一番かわいそうなんです。うん、それが違うところなんですけど、これからど,どっちに何を言うのか、うん。日本のサントマンに言うんだったら、日本の,あの映画界よと。いい加減しろよと命をかけてるやつをもっと大切にしろよと俺が言いたいです。So, like I said, there are large, large differences, and the difference will be that American stuntmen they they risk their lives. They basically do dangerous things, they dangerous stunts, and they're they're in a dangerous job, and for that they get compensated quite a bit. The Japanese one, in contrast. They do the same thing, they risk their lives, they do dangerous stunts, but they're the lowest paid. That's the difference. So、um, I would say that if anybody, I, I would have different, differing advice to if you were an American one or if you're trying to get into the Japanese industry, that would be the difference. But if, the, if you're going to a Japanese industry, Japanese stuntman, I would say that you.、Uh, Essentially, you have to speak to the director, you speak to the movie industry, and rise up against it to make, make your worth known. Otherwise, why? Okay, we were talking about、uh, G.I. Samurai, and I told him that I was watching、uh, G.I. Samurai last night. I guess he had、uh, some comments he wanted to add to it. So,、um, how did you get started in the film? And I, I, it's, a, it's a great premise,、uh, it's a great science fiction film. So, I, I like the idea of it. So, I'm kind of curious how it came to be. And,、um, What your thoughts are for it as, as a film? So, 
so uh, you may know, but the plot would be that uh, the uh, the army, the Japanese army, would go back in time, time travel, and basically they get their ass kicked by samurai. <laughs> yes. I really want to do this in the U.S. I want to do the America's best, best airplane, the best battleship, the best everything, all army fighting the cowboys and loose. I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I would love to see that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and it could also be like samurai going to going back to the uh, actually the other way around, but samurai fighting against the U.S. Army, um, then the army would lose. But the point is not so much that which country loses, but more about the the one with the higher weapon, the higher technology, the supposed to know more, know more history would lose anyway to the to the uh, the spirit of the warrior that's what i want to see that sounds like a great movie so Regardless of how much uh, the ships, the uh, the type of guns, all kind of ammunitions, all kind of explosive that they have, they would go back in time. So eventually they will run out of ammo. And then what's left is the mental strength, physical strength, so they would lose. India <laughs> And for the same reason, uh, Indian, the Native Americans would win as well. Ah, okay. I yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. See, I want that happen. I want to see it in the U.S. Well, thank you very much for the interview. I appreciate it very much. No, no, no. You're welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it's, it's been. Uh, thank you for your passion. Um, it, it's been wonderful to speak with you and answering. Thank you, Hero, for all the interpreting. Couldn't have done it without you, sir. My pleasure. Um, and uh, this concludes our episode. Thank you for all of our listeners, and uh, we will see you on the flip side.